Welcome to Deed and Truth, a podcast exploring loving God and loving our neighbors, not just in words, but also in actions, and with the Bible as the source and standard of truth. I'm your host, Tommy Morris, and today we're going to be switching things up a bit. So normally, I'd have a special guest in the studio and we would be talking about a specific topic, but today it's just me. Now, this is getting released on Monday, November 1st, but I'm actually recording it on Sunday, October 31st. And today is Reformation Day. And there have been two things that I've been reflecting on today with respect to the Reformation. One is sola scriptura, scripture alone. Scripture is sufficient and authoritative in all things. And I thank God that he gave us his word to study. The other thing that I've been reflecting on today is God's great salvation. And the thing that is important is to remember that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And we see Paul, right, in Ephesians 2, starting in verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Our salvation has nothing to do with our works, with our abilities, with anything about us. It is all about Jesus. It is through him. It is by his grace, through faith in him and in him alone. And so I'm very thankful for his salvation. And just as I've reflected upon that today, I decided that today I want to share my testimony. So I grew up in church, like literally before birth. While my mom was pregnant with me, she was in church. So it's what I've always known. And for the most part, my dad's always been involved in some type of ministry, uh, be it teaching Sunday school or associate pastor, youth pastor, and then eventually in 1989, pastor. So in 1989, I officially became a PK. Well, so at seven years old, uh, this is before my dad had become a pastor, seven years old, living in California, I was in my bedroom by myself playing and, and I just stopped and I, I knelt down in front of the window in my bedroom and I prayed a prayer. Thinking back, I, I don't really remember why, what led to it, uh, but I stopped playing with my toys, G.I. Joe's and Hot Wheels, whatever it was, and I knelt before the window and just prayed uh, something along the lines of, Jesus, I know that I need you as my Savior. Please come into my heart and save me. You know, And that was it. And then went on to continue, uh, like I said, growing up in church, eventually becoming a preacher's kid. I know that somewhere around 13, a little after my dad had become a pastor, I kind of had this feeling that that I would end up doing ministry, which I kind of bucked against. I didn't really want to follow. I didn't really want to follow my dad's footsteps in that. I didn't want to become a preacher or a pastor or or anything really in ministry at that time. So I kind of fought against it for many years and, and probably off and on throughout my life. So, but eventually I ended up moving out on my own. My parents moved to Germany. My dad became a pastor of a church over there. And I was, I was living on my own. And it was during that time that my, my, my lifestyle of worldliness truly began. I had this newfound freedom and I just, I went head first into it and just decided that I wanted to live for the world and for myself. And I, I threw myself into this party lifestyle and I kind of adopted this all or nothing attitude towards it all, where I knew that I didn't want to, I guess, smear, you know, the name of God by continuing to 
tout myself as a Christian while living this party lifestyle. So I quit going to church. I quit doing anything church-related, ministry-related. I really had nothing to do with anything that, that had to do with Christianity or God. And I, I threw myself 100% all in into partying and living it up for the world, for myself, and just complete selfishness, complete complete pride. And I did that for a while. And then I would have these moments where I would, you know, I would kind of feel guilty and I'd go back to church and, you know, I'd kind of last for, you know, I don't know, a couple months, three months, and then I'd be back in into my party lifestyle. And that kind of became the new norm for me, this roller coaster life of, of a little bit of time in the church and then a lot of time partying it up, living for the world, living in sin. And that became the new norm for me. So skipping a, a large portion of details of my life, 35 years went by from age seven when I first prayed that prayer in my room in California to the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. I'm 42 years old. And I started hearing these deconstruction stories. I started hearing these, these people who were deconstructing their faith, a term I had never heard prior to seeing these videos and articles pop up. Um, but I started reading about them and reading their stories of why they were walking away from Christianity, why they were deconstructing their faith. And so for some of them, you know, they claim to reconstruct it and, it, and it usually got reconstructed into some view of like universalism. But for many, the deconstruction was a complete deconstruction into atheism, where they just said, you know, I, I don't believe in Christianity and I don't even believe God is real. And in that, it started making me question myself. I started battling with these doubts uh, about how I felt, what I thought, what I believed, who I was as someone who claimed and professed to be a Christian. And I started questioning whether or not I was going to begin a deconstruction process and, and then started analyzing, well, what, what does that look like if it happens? What am I, what am I doing? Who, who would I be at that point? I'm, I definitely wouldn't be the man my wife uh, thought she married. I wouldn't be the man who my kids thought I was. I definitely wouldn't be the person church and all these other people thought I was if I completely deconstructed and walked away from the faith. But that was a real thought in my head at the end of 2019. Am I going to walk away from faith in God? Am I going to walk away from Christianity? But not so much to say that it's not real. I, in my mind, intellectually, I believed it was real. I believed the Bible was true. I believed in my mind that salvation was only through Christ, was, was exactly what I said earlier that it was by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I believed that. So I knew that even in quote-unquote walking away, I guess, if it came down to like a debate, I would still argue for Christianity. I would still argue that Jesus is the only way. I would still argue that atheism is wrong, that universalism is wrong, that they've got it wrong, and that God is real. And so that kind of created this dilemma of, well, I, I believe all of these things. I know these things to be true. And yet here I am struggling with whether or not to walk away from it. Why? Why was I having that struggle if I believed these things to be true? So at that point, I realized that I, I couldn't do what I saw others doing. I couldn't stand up and say that the problem was with God, that either Christianity wasn't true in the way 
it was being presented by most Christians or, or that God wasn't real. I knew I couldn't say these things. I knew that the problem really didn't lie with God. The problem lied within myself. So I had to find out why. I decided to really lean in on that part of me that believed these things to be true. So the first thing I did was I started looking into the whole deconstruction thing. This led me to to watching YouTube videos by Elisa Childers and then actually reading her book, Another Gospel, which was very helpful in really looking at that side of deconstruction that leads to atheism or universalism and a lot of that and just really, I, I think, kind of strengthened the resolve I already had that, yeah, Christianity, scripture, salvation by, by grace through faith in Christ, that that's all true. Like it really did help me kind of uh, resolve that within myself and, and, and kind of set that foundation of, okay, all right, th- now this is where I am. You know, I know that I'm not willing to go down this road of deconstructionism. So now what? So then I just decided that I was going to start listening to sermons, reading scripture, reading more books, listening to podcasts, anything I could that would help kind of address where I was. And there were a lot of good sermons that I listened to, a lot of things that were very helpful for me. So in the midst of all of the the videos and, and sermons that I listened to um, and, and watched, there were, there were two that I, I want to speak to that I would say were the most impactful for me. So the first one was a sermon from 20 plus years ago by Paul Washer. Someone had mentioned this to me, go home, YouTube, Paul Washer, shocking sermon. Looked it up. I sat, I watched it and uh, cried my eyes out, honestly. And if you haven't watched it, I encourage you to go do so. Yeah, tremendous. But the highlights of it were him questioning, what do we base our salvation on? If and when someone asks us, are you a Christian? Why? And when we say yes, and then we go to answer the why, what do we say? And he he challenged this. Do we go back and say, well, I I prayed a prayer. I, I repeated these words. And so that makes me a Christian. Or see this date, I wrote it in the front of my Bible. And and I know that I, I prayed a prayer on that day. And so that means I'm a Christian. And he asked them to look at their lives, the crowd that was before him. When we look at our lives, when we look at how we're living, do we look like everybody else? Do we look like the world? Or has there been change? And do we base whether or not we're a Christian on a prayer we prayed years ago and a date we wrote in the front of our Bible? Or can we look at our lives now and how we're living and by the fruit we bear, confidently say, I'm a Christian, and this is why. And I realized that that was me. It's funny. There's a part in it where everybody's clapping, you know, and his, his, his famous line is, I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you, you know, and, and the truth is I wasn't clapping, but he was still talking about me. I was that guy who 35 years before had prayed a prayer and then for the most part throughout my life can't say that there was change. Can't say that there was a Tommy who truly lived for the Lord. I was a man living for myself, for my own name, for my own kingdom, for my own selfish desires, and from a a very selfish and wicked heart. And that's really where where things went after listening to, to Paul Washer's sermon. I just started crying out to God and started 
thinking about my life, thinking about those past 35 years, I just started to pray and really started to search my heart, ask God to search my heart, to show me truly what was in there, what was in my heart. And I started to think about that, that past 35 years from that moment all the way back to the, the prayer at seven years old. And, and at first, I thought about all of the quote-unquote bad things I had done, thought about all of the times I had just full-blown walked in sin and open rebellion against God. And I started kind of actually in my head, kind of counting years and kind of tallying almost in a, a weights and measures kind of way, all of these, these times that I really lived this just sinful fleshly lifestyle. And, and I really came to the end and was like, wow, I, I think I've actually spent more years living for myself, living in sin, chasing after sin than I did in the church and participating in, in Christian things. And I was like, wow, I, I clearly understood that salvation wasn't by works and that that was no one way or the other was no merit of my salvation uh, for or against, to, to speak for or against my salvation. But it was just eye-opening to me to realize that truly when I, when I really looked at my life, that the majority of my life was open rebellion and sin. The real eye-opening moment happened when I decided to then move my focus over to the quote-unquote good parts, the good things I did. And so I started thinking about all the times that I'd stood in front of people and shared at Bible conferences and college campuses and at high schools. I started thinking about the times I'd stood in the pulpit and actually preached sermons. I thought about the mission trip I went on in, in India and actually having the opportunity to preach over there. I thought about all of it. thought about this desire I had at one point to go to Bible college. And here's the scary moment. The scary moment for me was to realize that in all of those times, my heart was still selfish and still wicked. That in all of those quote-unquote good moments, my heart was still about me. It was not about turning eyes to Jesus. It was not about pointing people to Christ and honoring him and bringing glory to his name. It was about my name. It was about me getting the pats on the back and the attaboys and the great job, great sermon, great message, great thought. That's what I was focused on, building up a great name for myself. And I was broken at realizing that even in what I would consider my good works, my heart was still evil. My heart was still wicked and selfish and ultimately sinful because my heart was about me, not about him. And I just wept at this realization and at the realization that I didn't believe I was truly a Christian. That in that moment, I did not believe that my life reflected a true believer. That I prayed a prayer that I had heard, talked about, or even repeated in church for what I understood in that moment, but I, I did not fully understand my sin. I did not fully understand what it meant to truly surrender my life to God. I didn't understand what it meant when when you talk about the cost, about counting the cost of being a disciple of Christ. I, I didn't understand any of that. And so here I am 35 years later or into the early parts of 2020. It's the lockdown time of 2020 where I had nothing but time on my hands really working from home because I, I wasn't traveling for work anymore. And so I had this time 
to sit and watch these videos uh, in the evenings. And, and this, is, this is the place I came to, this realization that I was not truly a Christian. And that was not, that was not easy for me. And so then immediately, my pride rises up. And within my own mind, I start saying, I can't, I can't say this. I can't admit that I'm not truly a Christian. What are people going to think? I started thinking about the people that I had been on mission trips with, the people I'd stood in front of a pulpit and preached in front of, all these people I had done ministry with, had been in Bible study with, had been on in these big prayer rallies with. What are all of these people from all of these years going to think if I stand up and say, hey, I'm not really a Christian. What I had, it wasn't real. It was about me, not about Christ. It, it wasn't real. What are they all going to think? How are they going to judge me? Again, here I am making it about me. And I was gripped with fear. And I felt like I can't admit this. I can't tell people that I've come to this place, this realization. So I didn't. And I just resolved to to kind of push it to the back. And I, I don't know. I don't really know that I had a plan. I was I don't know what I was thinking or or that I even had a plan of what I was going to do with this information. But I know that in that moment, my pride rose up, my fear rose up, and I shoved it kind of back uh, to the back to hopefully uh, ignore and move on with life. And that did not happen. So I'm struggling every day. It's just eating at me. And then as I continued to listen to podcasts and watch YouTube videos and listen to sermons, somewhere along the line, I, I came across, I don't remember if it was on a podcast or, or a YouTube video, but I came across Costi Hinn sharing his testimony. And he's speaking about studying to preach. He was scheduled to preach that next Sunday, and he was studying. And as he's studying, he tells how he came to this realization that this Jesus that he was studying was not the Jesus he knew. And he has said that that was the time he knows that he truly called on Christ. And here, here I am holding on to my pride, my fear, scared to death to tell anybody that what I had wasn't real and that I'm not truly a Christian and that I need to be saved. I'm battling this. And here is this man who's filling in this kind of associate pastor role or something, I believe, and preparing a sermon, preparing to preach, and saying, I don't know that I truly know this Jesus I'm studying about, and him crying out for salvation. And I was like, okay, yeah, okay, okay. And I had no immediate response. But then on May 28, 2020, last year, the conviction of the Holy Spirit gripped me where I could fight no more. I could no longer ignore this, deny it, run from it, fight against it. And I fell on my face to the ground. And I just began to weep before the Lord to say, God, I need you. Save me. Save me. I need it. I need it to be real. I need to know that I know that I know that you are my Lord and Savior, truly. And that I have surrendered my life to you. And I confessed my sin. I confessed my rebellion. I confessed my lies and my selfishness and really my idolatry. And I just submitted my life to him and cried out for salvation. And as his word says, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Jesus saved me that day. Truly. Truly. And I'm thankful that his Grace and mercy is sufficient, that his 
Forgiveness is true. And so today, on Reformation Day, as we reflect on the fact that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, I am thankful. I am thankful for his salvation. I am thankful that he showed me the grace and mercy that after 35 years of living a lie, he showed me truth. And that he was there, arms open wide. And that he extended that grace to me to call out in faith and to place my belief in him. Not a belief in my mind, but a true belief and surrender of my life to him to be both Savior and Lord. And so I encourage anyone out there who has struggled with this very thing, who has faced the idea of deconstruction to cry out to God, to understand the problem is not with God. The problem does not lie within him. He is true. His word is true. The problem lies within us. And many times it lies with self-worship and us wanting it to be about us. So if you're facing this, I want you to be encouraged. God, even in your doubts, even in your temptation to deconstruct, he has not moved. He's right there, arms open, ready to receive you. He is ready to give true salvation to those who would call upon his name, confess with their mouth, believe in their heart, and surrender their lives to him. And if you need someone to pray with you or talk with you about this, please reach out to me. You can hit me up on any of our social media platforms. You can message me and we can connect, exchange phone numbers. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. So to God be the glory. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in every Monday as I have a special guest in the studio to talk with me about what it is to love God and love our neighbors in both deed and in truth. And check us out every Friday for a new episode of Freestyle Friday. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. Leave us a review and go ahead and share the podcast with your friends. You can also check us out online at deedandtruthpodcast.com and you can connect with us on social media. We're on Twitter at deed underscore truth and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. YouTube by searching the Deed and Truth podcast. All right, until next time.